Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, I went rogue in March. People know that you can read me now at johnconzano.com. Tyson Alger formerly of the Oregonian, formerly of the Athletic, he went rogue before me. And uh, it was Tyson that I talked to throughout the process as I was sort of trying to figure out, you know, what platform do I want to use? You know, what what strategy do I want to use? And Tyson had launched I-5 Corridor several months, about a year in front of what I did. He has had a successful run there. He continues to write there. You should check out i5corridor.com if you want to read Tyson Alger, and he's joining us now live via satellite. Where are you today, Tyson Alger? I am sitting on my front porch here in beautiful, sunny Portland, Oregon, John. It is, uh, I, I know that we've had a, a lot of rain here so far this summer and, and spring, but uh, got to definitely take advantage of uh, these few days that we've had so far. Amen. And you know what? I was one of these people when I got here, and people said, oh, the summers are beautiful. I said, that's because the winters suck. And they, and then now I'm one of these people going, the summers are beautiful, but I'll take it. Uh, you wrote today at I-5 Corridor about a couple of five-star players that Oregon hosted over the weekend. Dante Moore, Richard Young, quarterback, running back, both five-star guys. Uh, what do you know about them visiting Dan Lanning and the Ducks? Yeah, you know, this demanding staff is any worries that we had about Oregon taking a step back and recruiting from the four year four year highs of Mario Cristobal. Um, at the this, uh, yeah, they might not have the commitment numbers quite yet, but they definitely shown that they can. Uh, still keep Oregon on the radar, and and so when you look at this player Dante Moore, he's. Um, it's it's kind of musical chairs at this point with with those level of quarterbacks right now in the country. You know, you just saw Miami lure Jaden Rashada uh, down there, who was another player Oregon is in contention with, and, and so you know the the Ducks would really like to shore up kind of the the next four years of this program with with that top level of, of talent, and then it really does look like that that visit went well for them this week, especially when you pair it with kind of the other levels of, of players that were in town. And, um, you know, with, with Richard Young, uh, an incredible five-star running back there, it just really got me thinking about some of those better quarterback running back combos in Oregon history. And uh, they, they, they've certainly had a handful of them over the last couple Yeah, you talk about quarterback running back matchups, Joey Harrington, Maurice Morris, come to mind you mentioned them uh dan fouts and bobby moore ahmad rashad I, uh, dennis dixon and jonathan stewart were lethal together especially stewart in that backfield 1700 rushing yards darren thomas lamichael james how could we forget that one and then marcus mariota and royce freeman but 
you ranked you ranked these, and you didn't have any of those that I mentioned as your number one Oregon combination. Who was the number one combination on your board? Yeah, I had the the 2012 combination of Marcus Mariota and Kenyon Barner. Um, I mean, just having you know, you don't really need to read out uh, Marcus's credentials, but Kenyon Barner, who for a lot of his Oregon career was kind of in with Michael James's shadow, for him to come out and, and be the lead back into I, I believe it was around 1,750 yards. 20 touchdowns. He had that incredibly memorable performance against uh, USC where he rushed for 321 yards, five touchdowns. He had 18 runs that either went for a first down or a touchdown. Like when, when you think of like the peak of, of Oregon's offense and how lethal it used to be, that, that, that 2012 combo is awfully hard to beat, even if it was kind of younger in Marcus Mariota's career. We're talking to Tyson Alger of the I-5 Corridor. I, Dan Lanning, in year one, he's 35. He's never been a head coach before. In your mind, what is a successful season for Dan Lanning? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to answer because he is taking over a program that is loaded with talent that has been to multiple Pac-12 championships over the last few years. Um, you know, I, I think it's tough to expect a, a first-year head coach to necessarily better what what Mario Cristobal did for the last four years. But I think the success that you want to see from this program is, one, to at bare minimum compete for a Pac-12 championship. Um, you know, I think it's still a little bit too early, and, and we haven't seen enough out of the quarterback position to really know whether or not they should be the front runner in this conference. But, you know, Mario Cristobal recruited his butt off for four years, and they have a lot of that rough roster right now. But I, I think more importantly is just, Whatever happens this season, to have a bit of to have a kind of a clear path and springboard going into the next few years, because if they keep bringing in this level of talent, you know that the level of expectation was to to be a national contender, and, and whether you know I don't expect the Ducks to all of a sudden to start competing for national championships here in the next year or two, but I, I do think that we are reaching a level at college football where the people who are going to be on the bus are about to leave. And, and by that, I mean the, these top-level teams that have the money and, and kind of the power to, to, to win players over with NIL and exposure and recruiting. And I, I think Oregon's one of those teams. Now they just got to make sure that they, they have their ticket and spot on the bus uh, here after Lane's first year. Tyson Alger with us. Tyson, let's flip the question to Oregon State and Jonathan Smith. What's success for him? He made a bowl game last year. They lost it, took a big step forward. But what's a successful 2022 season? Yeah, I, I think they really got to prove that that last year wasn't a big swoop because if you look at Oregon State's roster, you know, they, they didn't have a huge recruiting class this last year. You know, this hasn't been one of those off seasons where they've been really utilizing the transfer market. You know, the, the bulk of this team is returning uh, from last year's squad and, and seven wins was really impressive last year and it's going to be hard for them to do that again this year. They have a tough non-conference schedule. They have Boise State. I, I believe they have Utah and USC in successive weeks. Um, again, as, as some of the rich get richer in this, this conference in college football, I, I think it would be a heck of a job from Jonathan Smith and his staff to at least at least maintain the progress that they made last year. Because while, while some teams kind of are getting better by leaps and bounds, whether it be through recruiting or, or other methods, um, it's kind of been the low and slow method with Oregon State and Jonathan Smith, which has worked really well for them. But I'm, I'm curious how that continues to work as, as this landscape changes. Look, I said at the end of last year I thought they needed – uh, a new quarterback to take a step forward, but it looks like Chance Nolan's going to be the guy in spring ball and beyond. It sort of sort of took shape there. Can they win? Can they get to the next level with he with Chance Nolan at quarterback? He's going to have to take some steps. I mean, he's you know they're going to have to get more explosive with the deep ball. You know, I 
I, I, I just feel like that it's it's still one of those questions where, you know, it could be him, it could be Tristan Gabia, it could be whoever else. And, like, you just – if he's going to take them to the next level, he's got to have some separation and, and, and be absolutely the guy going into this fall. Um, you know, I did see yesterday he tweeted out that, like, he signed, like, the new NIL deal that's spokesperson there. But at least it seems like he's feeling that he's going to be the guy this year and to kind of be a brand. But uh, – but let's let it happen, you know. If 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 he could, you know, turn the corner and, and take a next step, like Chance Nolan could go down as as one of those names that people remember around Corvallis for a long time. But he's he's certainly not there yet. Tyson Alger of the I five corridor is our guest. Tyson, uh, you you started the I five corridor. You said you know you were you were going rogue. You were going outside the box, whatnot. How has that gone? Uh, how has it been received by by people as well? Well, John, I was I was listening to your intro, and it kind of reminded me. A lot of people remember Lewis and Clark, but I'm pretty sure the people who broke away a couple hundred years later made it a lot more smoothly. Um, so, you know, there, there's part of me that wishes there was a bit more of a highway laid down before I started on this. But man, I'm having a blast. Like, you know, to kind of like set my agenda and, and connect with the stories that, you know, I know my readers like. Tell it's been refreshing, and, and I, I think you're probably experiencing experiencing kind of. That, that freedom and that uh, creative energy with, uh, you know, kind of owning your own operation and, and being the one responsible for it. And it, it's, it's definitely presented a lot more challenges than, uh, than I, I probably would have guessed getting into it. Um, you know, I may have, may, maybe should have taken some business classes along the way, but, uh, but <laughs> we're, we're just about approaching one year with the lights on and, and they're, they're still shining. So, so we're here. I appreciate that. You should check out I-5 Corridor. Tyson does a great job there. Tyson, I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much, John. Have a good day. There he is, Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor. And he's right. I am having fun. He's having fun. Um, And here's the thing. Like, you know, I woke up today and I wrote about the LIV golf tournament. I had some extra stuff that I wanted to weigh in with and things I hadn't said yet and uh, some reporting that, you know, uh, I, I found out I got the number uh, Pumpkin Ridge was paid $4.5 million over the next three years to host the LIV event, plus the the uh, the um, improvements to the course were were covered as well under the agreement uh, that I that I uh, obtained. Uh, but here's the thing: every day I wake up, uh, I'm excited to share with you what I know. And somebody asked me, like, you know, they they said you're going, you're, the pace you're riding at is blistering. Like most sports columnists will write three times a week. Uh, I have been writing six times a week for the last three months, and in some cases seven times a week. But it hasn't felt like work to me because I wake up every day and I'm excited to share with you what I know and what I've learned and what I'm thinking about. And sometimes it's the Ducks, sometimes it's the Beavers, sometimes it's the Blazers, sometimes it's the Pac-12, sometimes it's my kids. It's off the wall, you know. It's just kind of what I want to share that day. Nobody in my ear telling me, uh, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's what you should do to get more page views or what. You know, I'm just writing, and I'm writing for the people who want to read me. So if you want to read me, go to johnconzano.com. If you want to read Tyson Alger, go to i5corridor.com, uh, and uh, you can check those two things out. And here's the other thing. Somebody else, you know, was saying, you know, you know, are you ever going to take some time off? Well, yeah, I'll take days off as I need them. But I'm telling you, I got up this morning. And I said, you know what, I need to write this uh, golf tournament stuff. I've got this, and the tournament is this week out at Pumpkin Ridge. But, you know, I've got something no one else has, so I should write this. And 
the other thing I want to do is it, there are there are uh, a huge swath of people who have signed up and subscribed. Now you can subscribe and get a free subscription. You can subscribe and get a paid subscription. You do what's best for you. Um, and here's the cool thing, though. I feel like I want to give you value. Like I'm working for you. Like I want to give you who have bought in and invested in me and believed in me and subscribed. I want to give you value. And I wake up every day with kind of that pressure, and that's a good pressure. That's not like a boss who's telling you what to do. That's like me going, you know what? These people have signed up. They've subscribed to read me. I'm going to give them my best. JohnKinzano.com if you want to read that. Leave it here. Our big splash is coming up. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. James Harden has declined an option with the Philadelphia 76ers. We're in a crazy world where somebody goes, somebody who wasn't worth $47 million says, you know what, I'm going to decline the $47 million option and become a free agent. Uh, that keeps the possibility for him of negotiating a new deal that would uh, give the Sixers some flexibility with their roster in free agency would allow them to use a $10.5 million exception. Um, he wants to help them reshape the roster, so I have to think that his opt-out is allowing the Sixers to improve their bench. Uh, but let's see what happens. Uh, teams can start negotiating deals with free agents starting 3 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. However, those players cannot officially sign until 12.01 p.m. Eastern Time on July the 6th. So 9.01 a.m. Eastern Time on July the 6th is when you can officially sign. But you're going to start to see deals uh, tomorrow. People have agreed in principle, etc. James Harden is 32. He turned down he, his $47 million exception. And, uh, you know, we're in an insane world uh, that he has to that he's doing that. But it's the uh, it's a sign of the times that is not our big splash. Our big splash is something else. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Brought to you by the Exergen Twice Daily Thermometer. I'm going to go with the LIV Golf Tournament out at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course. What did you know or what did you think when you thought Pumpkin Ridge before? I thought about the U.S. Amateur. Tiger Woods, 20 years old, winning a big-time uh, event down the stretch. And then Nike rolling out three days later, uh, introducing Tiger to the world and Tiger becoming a professional. That's what I used to think about, but now I think about the LIV Golf Tournament. That's what Pumpkin Ridge wants to be known for, will be known for, is known for going forward. They took the money. I had it this morning at johnconzano.com. Pumpkin Ridge got $4.5 million to host this LIV Invitational three times in the next three years. You're going to see it out at Pumpkin Ridge. They also got some course improvements. They got new decks. They got new roofs. They got paint on the clubhouses at the uh, public course and the members-only course. 
They also got uh, the infrastructure for the tournament paid for, including security and other things. But this forevermore will be what Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course is known for. They wanted to be a great golf course, uh, but fell short of that. And instead, they're going to be known for hosting the LIV Invitational Tournament or LIV event, whatever they're calling the thing. Uh, I think uh, it really has put the members and it's put the employees out there in a tough position. I don't envy that. I don't think it's their fault that it's happening out there. But uh, there is a uh, golf company in Texas, Escalante Golf, that owns Pumpkin Ridge that uh, took the money. And that's your big splash. Free agency, Judah Newby, let's kick this around. Um, James Harden has declined his $47.3 million option. You got, uh, you know, Bradley Beal in Washington declining a $36 million option. Um, uh, Usually these things are foregone conclusions, but you got some players here that are that are, uh, you know, working the system a little bit. What do you make of all this? The Beal one was inevitable. It looks like he's trying to re-up for the five-year max deal with Washington and stay. Like, that's what all the uh, all the signs are, are pointing to. So him uh, opting out of 36 makes sense. Harden opting out of 47? I don't know what kind of weird relationship he's got with <laughs> Daryl Morey. Obviously, yeah. they're boys going back to Houston. I don't know what kind of wink, wink. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Stuff's going on, but to turn down forty over forty-seven mil to allow Daryl to build up that roster is, to me, it's an unexpected move out of James Harden, given what we've seemingly known about him. But we'll also see what Daryl does with it. I mean, man, if they capitalize and they're able to bring in another big-time player to Philadelphia, then this was all worth it, and they might have a shot to win the East. Yeah, and I I think, too, if you're a Blazer fan, you're about to get frustrated. This is the time of year, usually it's next week, it's just after the 4th of July, where Blazer fans will lament, hey, how come we're not participating in this free agency? How come we're not not getting to do all this stuff? I think if you are a Blazer fan, you've got to be patient here, and you've got to know that um, some of this is not in the control of Joe Cronin, even the general manager, if he's getting told there are certain things that he can or can't do in free agency, he's obviously looking at looking to uh, the Vulcanites uh, up at uh, up in Seattle and going, hey, what do we have to spend here? They don't want to be taxpayers. That's clear. The trade deadline last year told you that as they dropped salary and you know they were also, I think, jockeying a little bit for draft position and trying to tank. But um, I think. Damian Lillard's, the more I think about this, Damian Lillard's Instagram post the other day where he posted himself and Kevin Durant. Um, I think it was a little bit of him recruiting, but I think he was also sending a message like, let's take a big swing. I don't think the Blazers are positioned to take a big swing. Now, I would love to be wrong here. I would love to see an exciting season with new players, but something tells me that this team is going to arrive next season counting on Damian Lillard and not C.J. McCollum, but Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant to carry them in the foreseeable future. And, they're, you know, they're one to two moves short, I think, of being a, a team that's going to matter. And I think that, that stuff always matters. Now, coming up, uh, coming up as you, uh, uh, on, uh, as you look at uh, today's show, Jim Joyce is going to be joining us top of the hour. Now, Judah, you talked to Jimmy Joyce, I think it was last summer, yeah. as part of the Celebrity Golf Tournament that uh, the BFT Foundation runs. He's going to talk to us about umpiring. 
I'm eager to know, like the balls and strikes that we have been seeing uh, umpires get wrong, I'm eager to know from a guy who's been back there and called balls and strikes, um, what are we seeing? Why, why does it look so egregious? Why does it look like umpires are struggling so much? What do you want to know? What do you want me to ask Jimmy Joyce coming up? I want to know if it's as bad as it seems. You know, and if uh, if umpiring has qualitatively gotten worse in his eyes, or is it just a result of more exposure? Like any mistake an umpire makes is obviously on Instagram and it's on socials. There's even like Twitter accounts dedicated to scoring umpire performances every yeah. game. You could see, oh, a guy was 99 percent good for him. Oh, a guy was 94 percent. That's not so good. Uh, I kind of want to know his thoughts on Angel Hernandez. You know, yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. seems to not like Angel Hernandez, and yet he keeps getting assignments. Like, what's going on? Uh, that you know, things like that. Last year at this time, I asked Jim Joyce all about spider tack. <laughs> that was the rage of the baseball world. He was so good talking about that. He uh, he's going to be good again coming up, and looking forward to seeing him out at the reserve in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'll ask him about that. I want to ask him about the brawls too. Yeah, like what are we? Why are? Is there more fights, or what causes fights, or what can you do as an umpire when you know these teams are arriving at the stadium and intending that day? to settle something, to police themselves. Like, you know, are the umpires to blame here is what I'm getting at. Jim Joyce is uh, very candid, honest. He'll let it rip. And I'm excited to hear what he has to say here coming up top of the hour uh, after the break here. It's just a quick break. Uh, Again, I am broadcasting from Corvallis today. If you want me to come to your town, I want you to tell me where I need to go. At John Canzano BFT on Twitter. Tweet at me, say, hey, take the show and fill in the blank. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a week in Eugene. I'm thinking about doing another week in Corvallis. Um, I I think the show needs to get out. It needs to see people. I met a couple of loyal BFT listeners today in Corvallis. They said, wait a minute, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm broadcasting today. What are you doing here? And they said, I live here. I said, okay. (laughs) So uh, I I want more of those experiences. Leave it right here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.